Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. Love Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the launch of Spellbound Salem Radio. You are here with Bridge V or Bridget and Dr. Vitka of Spellbound Tours in Salem, Massachusetts. So this is our first episode with many, many more to come. And I want to just take a quick few minutes here at the beginning so we can do introductions. And we'll start with Dr. Vitka on the intro. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Vitka from Spellbound Tours, Salem's original and best paranormal tour. And I'm happy to be talking to you, especially at this time when not everybody is able to get out and about. I'm excited for this new show. We're going to be talking about Salem history and Salem culture and witchcraft and visiting Salem. Basically, this is a show for you if you've been to Salem and you love it, or if you want to come to Salem, or if you just want to learn about the weird things that happened in Salem's history and Salem's present day. We're also going to be talking about some paranormal and occult news as it comes up, and this is a great time to be alive as far as uh, disclosure for weird stuff is happening. <laughs> That's going to come up a lot, isn't it? <laughs> Not a lot, but I have a few sounds queued up. And I so why did you stop being Bridget the Demon? I remember our previous project, you were Bridget the Demon. What, what dropped yeah. the demon? You know, I have a lot of random nicknames depending on the day. You didn't so go to a revival or something? You didn't get exercised? I went, to get, I went to get holy water and they were out. And that's what dropped so, the demon? Just the thought I of guess. holy water? Yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> so I met, actually met Mike out in uh, Salem on his tour, and I had interest in some tours here back in the Midwest and uh, connected with him about his and how he got started. And that's how we ended up um, doing things like Spellbound Salem Radio together. I have a, a paranormal group here in the Midwest. Paragem, right? Paragem, yes. And we don't know what it stands for yet. At first, we were going to do Paranormal Ghostly Encounter Ministries, and then Ooh. it just was kind of long and... Um, but we have a co- really cool logo. No, I, I like I like the the ministries <laughs> thing because then you can get tax exempt status eventually. This is correct, and and we are educational, so that's what we're trying to do. A lot of our stuff comes from that that we want to share our gifts, um, you know, in the mediumship and and uh, empath world. We want to share our gifts, investigate, figure out places, and also kind of work on proving uh, that the paranormal does exist to those of us who have had experiences. And once you do, kind of life isn't just never really the same. But if you've never had an experience, I understand how silly it can all seem and why you wouldn't believe 
But the goal of my group is to get this tangible proof that no one can argue with. And it'll well, probably I can take speak a lifetime. To your group being a, uh, a reputable group, I actually had you guys come in here and investigate my apartment. And watching you work, it was very professional. And uh, the fact that you found evidence was really exciting. And I also like the fact that uh, you don't immediately jump to conclusions about it. Uh, as somebody who's worked with the paranormal for about 20 years now, uh, I've definitely come to the conclusion that what we consider ghosts are out there, but we don't know exactly what they are. Um, clearly, there's some kind of unexplainable energy, and I like to interpret it as the spirits of the deceased, but that's a theory. That can't be proved. But what you guys were doing was finding evidence of whatever it is. Like, you have a bank of evidence that stuff's happening. We just don't know quite what it is yet, even though we're right. going with the ghost hypothesis. Um, yes, and it's, I, it's I like so how you... you you had a, a good mix of both the spiritual side of things and the hard science side of things. And Absolutely. We go in do with trying to debunk, though, honestly. We go in, and our first thing is we want to prove, especially when people are having feelings, uh, we want to first, mm -hmm. you know, prove. We're like, hey, you know, are the EMFs strong in this area? And, and for everybody's mental health, it's really important that they understand electromagnetic frequency and the effect that it does actually have on brain and brain waves and brain activity. Um, it can affect anxiety, depression, and other uh, mental health issues. So it's just important to know kind of what your levels are in your house, and it is tr usually tied to electronic devices. So we do like to go into debunk to see if any of that's going on and, and kind of approach from there. And uh, it's just been an interesting go. I started in New Orleans, and then with my trip, oh, I've been hooked, and I actually caught ectoplasm. Uh, on camera down in New Orleans, and I'm like, I have to do this when I get home. And that's just kind of uh, where we branched out. I, I started with a local group here called Broadway Paranormal, and uh, we didn't want to host the public events uh, anymore, so we kind of branched off and started Paragem. Uh, three of us did. Uh, we just wanted to learn more, build our skills, and then kind of do more of the private investigations and the uh, fact-finding missions is kind of where we went. So that's led me. I've had a love of Salem my entire life, though. So, now, before we um, go any further, Further, yeah. uh, you mentioned ectoplasm, and yeah. just in case we have some listeners who might not be aware of what it is, I'm going to tell you, it's not the green slime from Ghostbusters. Uh, a lot of times when people hear ectoplasm, they kind of laugh because they think it's like the ooze in the movies, and then people who are a little more educated will remember the fraudulent ectoplasm from the spiritualist fake seances in the 1800s where the mediums were hiding this cheesecloth on their body and yanking it out in the dark and saying, ooh, ghost manifestation. Uh, but that's not what it is either. The real ectoplasm is a shape-shifting amorphous energy. Um, usually we see it before a full apparition, a spirit that looks like a person develops. Uh, the ectoplasm, in my experience, seems to be more of a transitional form. It's sort of almost like a pre-ghost ghost, if that makes sense. Just a swirling energy. Yeah, and it can take many forms, too. So that's, that's the, the most visible thing outside of orbs, usually, that you see that people do capture in pictures um, when they are investigating or looking for the paranormal, even when they're not looking for the paranormal. No, I'm not an uh, orb fan, but we will do an entire orb episode oh, in the yeah. future. Don't yeah, you worry. <laughs> We're going to debunk <laughs> most of the orbs and prove, like, one or two good orbs. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. And, you know, Mike but, and I started on our, our journey hosting together with, um, 
uh, a podcast called the Weirdo Book Club, and the prep time was just unbelievable. And well, that was a lot of fun. The idea was we were going oh, yeah. to go back and we were going to read classic texts of occult literature and weird stories and fun stuff like that. Uh, I think the first episode we started was the beautiful illustrated biography of sideshow freak Schlitzy, one of my favorite mm-hmm. characters of all time. But honestly, as much as I love reading and you love reading, the time to read these books and plan mm-hmm. the show and get our schedules together just unfortunately was too much. We're definitely going to have reading lists for you guys to enjoy, but uh, I don't think we're going to be doing the book podcast uh, any further, at least until we both retire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we get to do the same kind of topics now. So that's what, you know, Salem, uh, Spellbound Salem Radio, we're going to talk about events that are happening in Salem, but also these other connections to things that maybe are kind of in the area there, but also have an interest to uh, Dr. Vidka and myself. And so we kind of get to do them without without the heavy prep time there. So that's no, kind of the best. Yeah, it's sort of free flowing. I didn't mean to step on you. That's one thing we're going to have to work on is not talking <laughs> over each other. But I'm glad we'll you there. mentioned mental health stuff when you're talking about when you go in and you do an initial investigation. That's something that I found in the past too, is when you're doing an investigation, when you're talking to, to make sure what they're seeing and feeling isn't coming from within them. Um, I've talked Mm -hmm. to a number of people who were having ghostly experiences, but unfortunately it turns out that they were say schizophrenic and they just weren't taking the proper medication. They weren't, uh, helping themselves they weren't taking care of themselves and so they were seeing things that were inside them rather than external forces however that's not to say that mentally ill people can't experience paranormal phenomena you just have to be really careful to separate what is brain fantasy and what is real and sometimes it gets a little confusing but that's one of the things we try to we always try to help the people out we want to make sure you know before we jump full in on the ghosts, uh, what does your doctor have to say to you? Right. Um, And sometimes uh, there is a little bit of intuition that can go along with those things also. And so it is really separating um, fact from fiction, using your intuition. And I find that uh, people with some form of intuition or sensitivity that they've honed in on are usually make the best investigators to kind of help uh, separate that thing with people just to see um, you know, if they if they do need some um, additional assistance and anyone, of course, there's always who who may be dealing with some stuff themselves uh, and having internal battles more than external and need some place to get help. You can always call 1-800-273-8255. That's just a national crisis talk line for anyone um, with mental health uh, disorders or issues um, that may be needing that. So just while we're bringing up that topic, I will uh, put that little tidbit in there, too, uh, just because there, there is kind of a fine line you do walk a lot of times times um, with these, and we find that um, when people ask us to come to their private residences a lot, uh, we do find that, that that can be the case some of the time. Now, do you have a number that you could go to for specifically paranormal happenings? Come find like not a 911, <laughs> but if you, have, if you have like an actual demon in your house, who do you call? 
Well, there are a variety of people, and I hope to build a, a really good national network, and there are a few things out there. Um, but for our sake, you could either reach out to the Spellbound Tours page, and he could get you in touch with my group. My group is also Paragem Group on Facebook. And so uh, you could reach out to us, too, and if you're not in our area, um, we can help you get in touch with some people also. So, yeah, if you have I, some issues I like going working on. with you because that we're, we're covering – a wide swath of the country here. You've got oh, the Midwest. Yeah. I'm up here in the New England area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to eventually build an entire network of reputable paranormal investigators. Yes, I want to bring a demonologist on my my team here, and I have someone locally who was studying back years ago that I'm um, going to try to get in touch with and see if they'd be interested. Or where we just had one studies. join the Spellbound team. Uh, she's going to oh. be doing tours this year. <laughs> yeah, when when you come up and visit, maybe uh, we'll get your group hooked up with her, and uh, you can have some ideas shared back and forth. Oh yeah, I'll be in Salem this weekend, so we'll definitely have to uh, have to see what we can get going. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, now, speaking about, of, yeah, <laughs> if you are coming to Salem this weekend, uh, this is a good time to come to Salem. Things are starting to get open. Um, I was downtown last weekend. I went with Michelle Rico, my lovely girlfriend, Michelle Rico. I hope you're listening. And she and I decided to go out, and we had a nice seafood dinner on Pickering Wharf, but it was packed. There were people all over. It was almost like October, and Massachusetts has started to lift some of the travel restrictions. Everybody is still required to wear a mask. If you're coming to Salem, please keep your masks on. Even if you're not into the whole mask idea, it is the law here in Salem, and it'll make it much easier for all the people who are taking care of you in the shops and the restaurants and the tours. They don't like having to remind you to keep the masks on either, and they're the ones who are going to get fined if you're a jerk about not wearing your mask. So please keep your masks on. But that said, now's the time to come to Salem. It's still uh, still early in the season, which means you're not going to have long lines, but it is got that hustle and bustle because people are starting to come to it and enjoy it. And after this sure. pandemic and the long, cold winter, people mm-hmm. want to get out. You're going to be in the thick of things when you come to Salem now. Hey, I look forward to it. And I was going to um, piggyback off that, too. I was out there in September. And uh, I do have uh, some people that I know that, that don't like to wear masks. And mm-hmm. I say to each his own. Um, but really, then, if that's your stance, then now would not be the time to visit Salem. So just wait. Uh, I know the businesses have suffered quite a bit um, throughout the last year. And we, we've been in you know our quarantine anniversary just passed here a week ago. Happy um, so anniversary. <laughs> hey. <laughs> so we've been in this pandemic for a year. And businesses have really suffered. And, and I just can't imagine on top of all that them having fines because people don't want to wear masks. I don't like wearing them either, um, but I will wear them when I'm asked and when it's required, um, and especially places I know that I'm going to just because just I just want to be kind. It's just what I can do to help out others. And so if you go to Salem, I just know that that is required. And um, the last September at the end um, of the month, uh, the Peabody Essex Museum put the witch trial original documents on display, and those are going to be um, on display through the first weekend of April, and then that's it. So then they yeah. go back into the vault for X months. Yeah, get here and <laughs> see. The, if you're interested in that element of Salem's history, if you want to see documents from the actual witch hysteria, I can not recommend this exhibit enough. I mean, you've known me long enough to know that my relationship with the Peabody Essex Museum, I generally don't 
think they're doing a good job because they're hiding Salem's history. They've mm-hmm. had so many opportunities to be in charge of the real narrative of Salem. They own stuff that was owned by the people who were persecuted for witchcraft. They own papers, mm-hmm. you know, handwritten by Cotton Mather, but instead they keep it all locked in a vault. It was supposed to stay in the Phillips Library in Salem, and all that was donated to the Phillips Library under the auspices of the Peabody Essex Museum with the understanding that it would stay in Salem, it would never leave Salem, and it was going to be open to the public at all times to learn and reflect about Salem and Essex County history and the witch trials in particular. A couple years ago, in a very sneaky, shady move, they gutted the Phillips Library and moved it all to Rowley. And ever since then, I have been anti-Peabody Essex Museum. (laughs) However... That said, this exhibit is really cool and really worth seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, when I went there just over this past weekend again, because even as a Salem local, I will still go out and have a fun Salem day. That's how that's how good it is to live in Salem. You can actually mm-hmm. have like a little mini vacation right in your backyard. But when I saw that stuff, it was it was moving. It was it was kind of weird. Um, they had a big chunk of wood from the actual dungeon where the accused witches were held and you can ask Michelle when I was up close to it I started feeling kind of dizzy and shaky it was just a really heavy feeling and even if you're not into the paranormal or the spiritual side of it to see these artifacts from the witch trials right up close is definitely affecting it it humanizes the people both the victims and the accusers and it makes it so it's not just like a thing that happened a long time ago. It's right there in your face. It becomes immediate. It becomes something that, I don't know, could happen again. It's mm-hmm. something that is not just part of our shared culture. It's something almost alive. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And that's that's where our whole trip this weekend is planned around this exhibit and uh, coming out there and just, seeing these things um and there so, are a yeah, lot you of have to take your friends to this it's oh yeah it's amazing. Have, yeah you bring your friends out we me and my friends have tickets we're ready to go um there are restrictions you do need to book online because you have to um, pick a time um to enter the exhibit um with social distancing orders in place uh so that so that is pretty strict so if you can look up the peabody essex museum um, and get your tickets it's uh, twenty dollars for general admission and the salem witch trials of 1692 exhibit is i got of, in free because i'm a salem resident I know, lucky sucker. (laughs) But they didn't Um, check my ID, so take that for what it's worth. Well, I'd always felt drawn to Salem, and so I'm just ready to see these documents. And yeah, the the museum has been entrusted to, uh, you know, take care of them. Even like I said, with the uh, descendants of some of the the people involved, the direct descendants are still living in Salem today, and they don't have these documents. The museum does, so I do think it's a little bit of a shame that they're not always on display. Uh, there for everybody to see, unfortunately. It, well, it, it, can, and it's the biggest piece of the history, really. Even with social distancing restrictions, even mm-hmm. with it being still kind of winter and all the factors, I have never seen more people in the museum, both in the exhibit itself and in the line to get in for this witch trials <laughs> exhibit. This is the big one. If they were smart, they would have this open year-round and make a fortune. Um, about maybe 10 years ago now, they had a, 
a really excellent exhibit called Too Much Horror Business. It was uh, Kirk Hammett, the guy from Metallica, is a huge horror movie aficionado. And he filled the galleries with props from classic movies, uh, costumes worn by people like Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff, and uh, full big paintings that were on the cover of Famous Monsters magazine, and great stuff like that. And that was a success for the museum. I loved seeing that. Mm -hmm. But even something like that is just dwarfed by the Witch Trials exhibit. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, and I, and I do wish it was on display. I, I, like I said, I missed it by a week last time. I was like, oh no. And I just knew as soon as I returned home that I was going to make a special trip just for that exhibit. So, um, so get out there if you guys can, who knows when it would go on display again. I think Mike, you said when you were a child, it was on display. Yeah, I was, I was a young teenager. I was, it was, some of these artifacts were on display in the nineties. And that was the last time I saw any of these in Mm -hmm. person. So it's like every and 30 years or so, 20, 30 years. One, one thing that made me laugh in the exhibition was they had canes that were owned by George Jacobs, uh, one of the people who was accused of witchcraft. And they had a little uh, write-up about who George Jacobs was and why he was accused. And he was, I guess, like everybody else they were accusing, kind of cantankerous. And part of the testimony against him was he beat somebody up with his canes. And the I'm paraphrasing, but the quote was something like, he beat me with his canes and only a witch would beat me up. Like, it just shows how, what great lengths these people were going to, to accuse mm-hmm. their neighbors. Could, could you imagine just something as simple as getting in a fight and instead of calling the police or taking care of yep. it yourself, you would say, he's a witch. He hit me. Yes, or my, my uh, like, name I was laughing. Bishop. Same thing happened to her. I mean, she, you know, the men of Salem were attracted to her, so surely she was a witch. You know, she was this uh, widowed woman who had all of this land in this huge apple orchard uh, that now sits in the approximate area of, like, Turner Seafood would give you a frame of reference to where it's located um, if you're in Salem. And, you know, there, I don't know if there's a little bit of cleavage that maybe she was known to show on occasion, uh, but the men would say that she had bewitched them because they felt attracted to her. And I'm like, no, sir, that's called me. <laughs> and of course, at the time, that's just not a thing that women were allowed to do. That's why the, the Puritan clothes were the way they were. And it was, uh, you know, because heaven forbid uh, that a woman attracted a man. And so, uh, you know, it could be that, but they were set to inherit their property. And there's just so many nuances and intricacies of the and witch she'd previously and... been accused of witchcraft before, mm-hmm. and once again, probably because she wasn't strictly adhering to the social norms of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of new information and new scholarship coming up about Bridget Bishop. Uh, some of the things that we've held onto about her for ages turns out might not be true. Uh, the whole talk about her owning a tavern, that might mm-hmm. be confusing her with a different woman at the time who had a similar name. And in a couple of episodes, once we get the format all smoothed out, um, I actually want to talk to a friend of mine who works for one of the other tour companies who is a Bridget Bishop descendant who's doing some really great scholarship right now as to who she really was, and he thinks he's dug up some information that slipped through the cracks for a while. I think it's out there to find, and I will say it wasn't until 2016 that they finally officially landed on the location of the gallows where... Uh, the people that were hanged during the witch trials, the actual trials of 1692, uh, that location was, there was a few rumored places, and, and they had some specialists 
uh, some historians get together and review these documents. And was it 2016, I believe? And they put the placard out, so they finally they put, identified they finally that. They put the proper memorial out. And I can yeah. tell you that uh, I was always convinced that that general area was the location. I remember mm-hmm. years and years ago, I actually kind of got in a little bit of trouble for selling maps leading to that area. <laughs> and uh, the powers that be were saying, oh, you cannot do this. We do not want people going there. And even today, you've got to keep in mind that the memorial site where the hangings took place, it is a very solemn location. Uh, mm-hmm. It is public knowledge now. You can go visit, but it is against the law to go there after dark. The neighbors don't take kindly to people poking around looking for ghosts, uh, doing rituals in the woods and, you know, the fun stuff. So if you're, visit, if you're going to visit Gallows Hill itself, I'd recommend going during the day and being respectful mm-hmm. of the place. And it does mean the bodies are in the ground up there somewhere where they've built all of these homes before they had officially identified the site. Right. It, it's definitely believed that uh, the witch trial victims are still somewhere in the earth up in the Gallows Hill location. And part of me wants to go there and place, dig. I know, but in any other place, people will say, well, why haven't they found them yet with technology? But the, the, the land, if you've never been to that area, is so rocky. It's not like here in the Midwest where you can, you know, they can use sonar and they can find these things. It's, uh, it's just a, a whole different landscape. And that whole ledge there is rocky, and it's a high point in town, too, which is why it was the gallows. And uh, you just feel it. It does feel very somber. And um, if you are any form of a sensitive, you will feel overwhelming sadness when you stand there. And if you look up on the hill, it just, you know, something bad happened there. You just have that feeling when you're there. Well, they picked that location, they claim, so that everybody could look up and see, um, allegedly from the center of town, you could look and you could see the victims swinging in the breeze. Mm-hmm. And yeah, another and- little fun thing is it's on uh, Gallows Hill is right off Pope Street. And the Puritans, the religious fanatics who were running Salem at the time, were very, very anti-Catholic. So it was just another little slap in the face to the Catholic establishment. Uh, oh, we're going to hang them on Pope Street, those papist <laughs> devils. But yeah, uh, you've you uh, met my dog, Luke. He's yes. a cute little bassador, a basset hound lab mix. And <laughs> generally, he is he's brave enough. He barks at things. He sniffs around. He wants to meet new people. And when we're walking, he's, he's in charge. He'll just dive into anything. But when we get near the Gallows Hill Memorial, he will not go close to it. He will turn around, and he'll lie down, and he'll make little whimpers and pull in the other direction. Uh, even the animals don't like to go to Gallows Hill. Yeah, there, there is something about the energy. And outside of the witch trials, they did also a similar style of hangings over at the old Salem jail. And uh, they'd hang people and people would take their kids past to see the hangings. So they would be like, look, this is what happens when you're bad. And it was kind of this uh, used as a very firm warning to other people. And they would see people, they hanged them right outside of the jail, which is now luxury condos if you're interested in, in having a haunted uh, place to stay <laughs> you know the more research i've done i think mm-hmm. the hangings at the jail uh may have been folklore i i haven't been oh. able to find any real records of the executions taking place right on that ground i know that was something mm-hmm. that i used to propagate myself but mm-hmm. as far as i've been able to find nobody was hanged right out there although public executions were 
public entertainment for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Boston, for example, uh, they would do it right on Boston Common, and people would come from all over to watch the the people get hanged. It, uh, it was almost kind of funny, like a puppet show. Their death spasms would be jerking around, and the kids would point and laugh. Oh gosh, it kind of reminds you of thinking back about the book with Schlitzy, though, too, and how they anything they could make entertainment out of literally anything. I mean, that's kind of good. That's the human spirit, right? (laughs) We have this desire to be entertained. And if what it takes is hanging a bunch of innocent people, we're going to do it. Yeah. So anything, um, especially anybody visiting Salem this weekend, um, anything that they should be checking out besides the uh, witch trials exhibit at Peabody Essex Museum? Well, I would say the Witch Trials exhibit at the Peabody Essex Museum is an absolute must-see right now, and that's only running through the 4th. I can tell you, I was just in a shop called Hive and Forge. They're, I guess you could call them like a witchy version of Etsy. They have a lot of Mm -hmm. uh, handmade things and taxidermy, and they have a load of vintage occult books. Uh, I don't know how many are going to be left, but I know I walked out with a stack over the weekend. I would I would give them a peek, <laughs> and they are also right across from Turner's Seafood. Yes, and I can't wait there. I gotta make sure I get to Hive and Forge. I want to check them out. And I was sad that Lobster Shanty is not open. That's usually my ceremonious like first night in Salem. I go there, um, mm. but I will be going to Good Night Fatty. I'm gonna go get me a fatty this weekend, and I'm gonna introduce my friends because most of them coming with me. They haven't really ever stayed in Salem before. A couple have been there, but they didn't get to spend that much time in the other ones of Noobs. So Good Night Fatty, uh, the cookie place that makes the, oh yeah, uh, on the cookie yes. place on the common. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. And, it's and you the want coolest to... building too. <laughs> oh yeah, tucked in right near the old armory, right? Yeah, it's in a coach house there. Or it looks like it would be a coach house, but yeah, it was part of the armory. Now I, I know uh, the Magic be... Parlor, which is a shop that mm-hmm. Spellbound Tours is affiliated with. Uh, they are open for business. They're always a favorite. Uh, they actually just recently came out with their 2020. Salem postcards, which are really cool. They took a classic image of a uh, an old woodcut, I think, of a spooky-looking ritual and put the Magic Parlor logo on that. I know I bought Ooh. a couple of them. Uh, the Nightmare Gallery is wide open, which is a horror movie monster wax museum. That's a place I tell everybody to go when they come to Salem. I know oh, they're yeah. open on the weekends. I uh, My last trip to uh, the Magic Parlor, I got a pumpkin pulp uh, doll, and uh, they're like special effects company that makes these creepy dolls, and I named my little scary bunny Lolita. She sits by the front door and greets our guests. Um, they don't always like it, but it's fine. So she Are you bringing Lolita herself. Bunny to Salem um, for this trip? I think you, you should. Know, she she draws so much attention that I might leave her at home with her dad. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. See if you can get her through uh, the, the TSA thing. I got so many looks at the airport, and I'm like, I'm not even the person that does this kind of thing. But I couldn't pack her in my suitcase because she would have got damaged. And You mean you carried kids, her on the plane? I did, and out in my arm. And the kids were intrigued, and the adults were horrified, and it was just the most beautiful mixture of reactions. So um, what do these look like? That, you know? These uh, pulp, pumpkin pulp dolls, basically they look like dead babies. They're like the bodies are weighted, so they, they sort of flop around like a real baby body, and they're all filthy yeah. looking. They're like dressed in rags, and they have these horrible heads that – Look kind of like moldy old taxidermy. 
So you were oh, walking yeah. around with a dead baby with a horrible rabbit head. Between Boston Logan International Airport and O'Hare, yeah, in Chicago, yeah. O'Hare, and, that's perfect for rabbits. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. And people just, I, I, the first, uh, people would be like, her baby is so dirty, that's kind of disgusting. <laughs> <way> closer <laughs> and realize it's a doll, and then I'm not sure what the next thought would be, but then I would, the kids would be staring <laughs> at it, and then you'd hear their parents like, don't look at it. And it was just the funniest thing. (laughs) So, yes, I plan on on checking them out and just giving any love to any um, local uh, businesses. I love Die With Your Boots On also. It's a clothing store out on the wharf. And um, I do like that. And uh, the owner is originally a Midwestern gal herself. And um, everything's black in the store. It's my favorite color. So what else could I ask? Well, orange (laughs) and then black. So, you know, Um, I'm made for Salem. What can I say? But with that. And our first recommendation, this is, this, we're wrapping up the first episode here. Our Are we really? Fell down Salem Radio, yeah. Oh, well, I could go for another hour. How, uh, <laughs> Especially how, long, has Salem. This, how long has this been? Um, we are at 32 minutes. All Just right. Like well, <laughs> let me say that uh, something to do, everybody who wants to take a ghost tour, uh, the tours are one of the most important things to do while you're in Salem. There are lots of tours to choose from. Uh, this week, we're not open. Spellbound Tours opens April 1st, which is April Fool's Day. That's sort of our tradition. <laughs> and luckily, Massachusetts has finally decided to let us start having more visitors. So we're going to be able to take more folks safely on the tours but it's still a limited amount of people. So if you want tickets for a tour, definitely get on the websites and uh, order in advance. If you go to spellboundtours.com, you can book any day you want from April 1st all the way through the middle of November, and I'd recommend doing it soon. Now, there are a lot of tours in Salem. Pretty much whichever one you take, you're going to have a good time. Spellbound, however, Obviously, I'm biased. It's my favorite. It's the best. But something to really look out for is to make sure the tour you're taking is a local tour. Mm -hmm. Because right now there are a couple of businesses which are big franchises from, you know, out of town. They don't necessarily know the history. They don't necessarily know to adhere to the local laws and where we're allowed to go and all that stuff. So if you are doing your research for the tours, make sure you pick a local company and make sure you buy tickets directly from them. Uh, I know a lot of people are using TripAdvisor to get tickets. It's a good, easy way to do it. But if you buy directly through the merchant, you're going to have a lot easier line of communication. Say you have to change the date of your trip or if, heaven forbid, you need a refund because somebody died or something. It's a lot easier if you buy directly from the tour company instead of through a third-party agent. So, for example, if you want Spellbound, go to spellboundtours.com. If you want to do our friends the Salem Night Tour or Bewitched After Dark, both of which I think are running this weekend, you want to check them out. But make sure you go directly through their websites. Absolutely. Yeah, and you can check out Spellbound Tours on Facebook as well. They have a page in my group, Paragem Group, P-A-R-A-G-E-M. We are both on Facebook, and we want to thank everyone who's listening to our first episode, and we hope you'll come back for two, three, four, and more. (laughs) And next week, next week, we're going to get to what I wanted to talk about today, which is puppets and voodoo dolls. Oh, yeah. 
Maybe by then I will have made a few new ones. Yes, I'm going to make one out of felt. Mm. Well, you know, actually, (laughs) while you're here, you ought to go to some of the uh, historic sites and sacred sites and take some twigs and dirt Mm. so you can get some real power into the voodoo dolls. I'm going to gather some and some pine cones because I'm going to grow my own Salem trees. (laughs) Oh, I I don't know the first thing about growing trees, but will a Salem tree grow out in Iowa? We'll find out. More to come on episode 127. Speaking of oh. Iowa, you would be amazed. <laughs> I remember a couple of years ago you sent me a really fun shirt that said something about <laughs> Iowa, eat Iowa corn, and it had the silhouette of the state of Iowa on it. Yes. I think that was the first time I'd ever actually seen what Iowa was. People, I would wear it around here, and... I remember I took a picture wearing this mask that was like a hideous zombie ear of corn, <laughs> yeah. but nobody knew. People were like, what's that shape on your shirt? I'm like, I think it's Idaho. I don't know. It's a kindergarten <laughs> triangle, a rectangle, I mean. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, it's just a state. It doesn't really have a unique shape that stands out, and uh, the only people that know are either Hawkeyes or Cyclones fans, usually. That's our now, local sports team. <laughs> the local team is called the Hawk Guys. <laughs> yes, no Hawkeyes, like the bird. Hawk. Oh, okay. I was going to say what? <laughs> what kind of sports? Oh, Hawk Guys. <laughs> this is taking a turn now. <laughs> a strong left. But well, yes, so that's anyway, right. Massachusetts gonna... <laughs> is a very left-leaning state. We're looking forward to seeing all of you in Salem in the future. And please do get Spellbound Tours tickets. If you're in the Midwest and you've got a haunting, go to Paragem. And we'll talk to you next week. Yes, on Spellbound Salem Radio. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.